Hey, it's Sean Ferguson again, and this is another episode of Shortcuts, a podcast where we talk to people in our community, East Lamal business partners, and people who make East Lamal what it is. This is a very special episode. We are highlighting the Evansville Wartime Museum. It is East Lamal's nonprofit of the month for the month of September. And our guests today are Mike Tiemann and Donna Bone with the Evansville Wartime Museum. And now, here's our conversation. First of all, I'm excited to be here. I can't wait to get started talking about the Evansville Wartime Museum, our nonprofit of the month for September. Uh, but first, I'd like for you guys to introduce yourself and uh, kind of give us a little bit of your background, how you got involved uh, you know, with the museum. Well, uh, my name is Donna Bone. I'm chairperson for the events committee. Been with the museum for uh, going on seven years now. And uh, I, was, uh, I came on board when they were in the planning stages. And so I was here when they uh, opened five years ago um, on Memorial Weekend. And every year we've just grown a little bit more, a little bit more. And, and now we're uh, busting at the seams with all kinds of things nice. to talk to the people of Evansville about. Uh, my name is Mike Tiemann. I've uh, been involved with the museum for approximately three years. Um, vice chairman uh, in charge of the gift shop. Uh, volunteers and membership okay. so uh, I tell everybody watch what meetings you don't show up for <laughs> and you wind up in charge. That's how you got involved. Huh? That's how we got involved. <laughs> Actually uh, we had a uh, event here uh, hangar bash okay. and uh, we uh, attended that and had a lot of fun and uh, met several of the people and if would you like to volunteer? Yeah. Sure. I uh, didn't know what I was getting into, but uh, it, it's been fun. My wife and I both volunteer here. So I'm familiar with the history. Evansville has just this rich history when it comes to wartime. And obviously with the LST, we had those folks on one of our podcast shows mm -hmm. a couple years back. So I'm really anxious to hear how this idea came to you know, fruition. It's actually... Kind of a fascinating story uh, and it's a story that not a lot of people here in Evansville are really aware of. Most of your veterans, your seniors here locally um, know it because uh, they were either part of it or their parents or their grandparents were part of it. But it starts right before the war uh, where economically the city was, was going downhill quick because of uh, either the depression or the flood that happened in 1937 and things weren't looking good, and uh, the local civic, political, labor leaders, industry leaders were working together to try and bring defense plants here. Okay. Uh, they went out and, and did a lot of work, talked about the advantages the city had being in the middle of the country. Um, uh, railroad, river, airport, you know, a lot of advantages. Major all, highway. Pardon? Major highway. Yes. Uh, and it worked out because uh, by the time Pearl Harbor happened, uh, the gun was loaded and they were ready and the contracts started coming in. Uh, and in a short period of time, or during the course of World War II, over $300 million in defense contracts came to this city. The population would jump from 97,000 to almost 150,000. In fact, we had the highest percent increase in population in the nation in 1942. Wow. And during the war, we were the highest producing city per capita in the nation of war materials. We made over 300 different items here for the war effort. Any, anywhere from the big stuff, like the uh, P-47 Thunderbolt, uh, 6,242 of those. Uh, we refurbished tanks. 
uh, you know, down to small things like the ammunition, uh, 45 caliber bullets, uh, 30 caliber bullets, uh, over 300 different items. So this this place wow. was a happening place yeah. uh, during World War II, and uh, you know, after the war, some of that that success uh, and and that. Um, production continued uh, and moved forward and, and I think that kind of set the scene for where we are today. Obviously we're close to the airport, mm -hmm. we just had a plane fly over, mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if we could hear that on the on the microphone or not, but that was really cool. Um, how did the, the, the museum pick this location and I guess why, you know, why this location? Well, I think a lot of different things went into it. Uh, a group of businessmen got together about 10, 15 years ago and they'd been talking about this for a while. Uh, and things started coming together about uh, six, seven years ago, and they worked with the airport. Uh, this was an empty building at the airport, and they worked out a lease with the airport that allows us to use this facility for a relatively low cost, otherwise we wouldn't have been able to afford it. Uh, and so we have a good relationship with the museum, and it also allows us to bring in uh, Warbird planes, um, you know, uh, to help us raise uh, money, raise funds. So we have fundraisers with the Warbird planes. We had two, uh, we had one that was earlier this year in July, and we have a big one coming up in three weeks on September 22nd, where we have a B-29, B-24, T-6 Texan, and a PT Stearman coming in just for one day. Wow. Uh, the flights are sold out except for a fifth one. We just found out that they, it sounds like they're bringing a fifth plane. Nice. Uh, so awesome. the flights are okay. still available on that one. Okay. But, uh, yeah, we're expecting a, a lot of people show up for that. Wow. And when we have these big events, we bring out the grill, and we serve hamburgers and brats, and we sell drinks and, and stuff like that, and uh, you know, a lot of tour activity. The, for the price of admission uh, for this particular event, um, they get, of course, you know, to come in and, and uh, go through the museum, but they also get to go on those planes and get a tour of the of the the planes that are coming in. And the planes are all coming from one area, or are they coming from all over the? All over I the forgot where they're based. Texas, yeah. I think it's probably they're usually Texas. Texas. Yeah, yeah. Seems okay. to be the, very cool. The, and the flights are all sold up on four of them. But the first four, but they just added one that has three passenger seats. So it's two flights, okay. three passenger seats on each flight. So they've got six seats wow. that they're selling now between now and wow. uh, the front. And it's $50 off if you do it online right now. Okay. And uh, Fifi is a B-29, which is the same type of plane that dropped the atomic bomb. Okay. And I think it's the only one flying in the, in the it's country. It's one of, uh, maybe, I, we think there's another one, but it's one of either one or two that still flies today. Wow. So the museum's been open for five years, mm -hmm. and there was a couple of years involved, I guess. Donna, you said you've been involved with it mm -hmm. for about seven years, so mm -hmm. there's a good two years yeah. worth of work. Planning. Heading into that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the obvious question, where does all the museum exhibits come from? comes from the people in the tri-state area. We okay. have people walk in every day that we're open, uh, sometimes even when we're not open, uh, <laughs> walking up to the front desk saying, you know, I've got this. Yeah. Uh, they either got it from their father, their uncle, their, their grandfather, uh, you know, stuff that's been in attics for decades now, okay. garages, whatever, and want to know if we're interested. And yes, yes, definitely, we are interested. And so, yeah, our um, our archives have, have been growing as, as time goes by. We get some fascinating things in here. I bet. How many exhibits total do you guys have? Oh. Thousands. We have yeah. thousands. thousands. And some of it's yeah, papers, amazing. photographs, okay. notebooks. Um, okay. uh, you know, we do have a lot of, of um, you know, um, physical items that come in. Okay. Uh, we've got uh, big items out in the hangar, like trucks, ambulance, a World War II ambulance. 
Um, now we have some things, the uh, P47 Foundation. Okay. Uh, or purchase, purchases and owns those items, like the okay. uh, Who's Your Spirit 2, which is the oh, P47 yeah. Thunderbolt plane, the Jeep, yeah. the tank, and the Stearman plane that's down there. Okay. So um, awesome. they own them, and then uh, they let us use them here in the museum for exhibits. They were okay. purchased for Purch us, yes. but they're separate yeah. from the museum. P47, uh, which was sixty-seven dollars $70,000 in 1944-1945 was considerably more yeah. in 2020. Yeah. And that plane took off from that runway at Devonville Airport in 1945. Man. Same plane landed on the same runway wow. in 2020. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's amazing. And that's the first plane produced by Republic Aviation in 1942 is called Hoosier Spirit. Okay. And this plane that came back to us after being gone for 80 years uh, we renamed Hoosier Spirit Two, nice. and it is now the official plane for the state of Indiana. Wow! Not type so of plane, cool. the, the plane, the, the plane. plane. Wow! That's so and cool. uh, but you know the the history. Uh, what the locals know as Whirlpool Plant mm -hmm. was built for Republic Aviation, mm -hmm. and they got the contract for that plane in March. First plane came off the assembly line in September. Wow! They started building in June. Oh my gosh! So, yeah, they spent a couple of months uh, working on the office building, and then they started on the plant itself, and they were building these planes before that plant was anywhere close to being done. I mean, they, they, there was a sense of urgency to get these planes, uh, get this, uh, these defense contracts moving, moving fast. 42 was not a good year uh, for this country, so uh, there was a sense of urgency. But, you know, that, that history uh, is what we're trying to um, save and... Uh, educate you know the succeeding generations tell them yeah. oh, we've got something to be proud of here Absolutely. I mean it's an exciting story yeah a lot of people don't realize it mm -hmm. and like I said when I started working with the LST and talking to them and, and we had them on our show you know it was, it was just educational just mm -hmm. listen to them talk about that history mm -hmm. and I've seen pictures of you know what the riverfront looked mm -hmm. like with all the boats mm -hmm. streamed out we have a picture of the shipyard as it looked yeah. back then and you can see wright's hill in the background oh, wow. uh you can see the outfitting piers on the ohio river the launching uh deck you know where they they went down the launching ways yeah. uh yeah we've got some great photos oh, my gosh, uh, and awesome. we blow them up wherever we can and, and put them on the walls because mm -hmm. it kind of gives you uh, uh i think more of an insight into a feel for what it was like okay and this was, what, the only place where they made ammunition, ships, and planes mm -hmm. in the country, mm -hmm. all three. And uh, on the 45 caliber bullets, there was a Plymouth plant on Maxwell Avenue. Well, it was shut down after Pearl Harbor. Well, they got a contract in January to make bullets. They only made 3.2 billion, billion 45 caliber B. bullets. 96% of all the 45s made during World War II were made in Evansville, Indiana. My goodness, that's amazing. But they didn't use them all because there were still enough left that they were using them in Korea and again in Vietnam. Oh, okay. Oh my gosh. And of that 3.2 billion, they repackaged a billion of them because they're originally in a paper box, wooden crate. Yeah. If you're in Europe, not a problem. If you're in the South Pacific, it's a problem. Yeah. Because they were steel cased, which was special. Uh, Brass they, was in short supply, which is the normal material yeah. used uh, in the casing, and so they were told, find something else, and they did. Wow. And, uh, but there were a lot of, you got a problem, fix it, yeah. and they would. 
and uh, the uh, steel casing was one of them. And uh, they didn't have enough copper to make the brass and whatever. You got a problem? Fix it. They did. <laughs> and they came up with 3.2 billion of them, but they repackaged a billion of them. And they call it a ham can or a spam can. You know, it was a watertight, airtight can, which used to, uh, the old cans had a uh, key soldered to it. And you'd pry it off, lift up a tab, take off a strip Just of like metal. the spam can yeah. that he talked about. Yeah. yeah, spam can or ham can. Yeah. And uh, they came up with that design in two weeks, repackaged a billion of the 3.2 billion. Wow. And you can still find them to mm -hmm. this day and still mm -hmm. good ammunition. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. But there's so many stories like that mm -hmm. of, uh, about the community and the way the community came together. That's amazing. Cervell, which was one of our biggest manufacturers before and after the war, built the wings for the P-47 Thunderbolt. And then Briggs built wings for the Corsair. Uh, I mean, we could go up and down the list. Yeah. Uh, we went from 18,000 jobs before the war to over 80,000 jobs during the war. And that's wow. why all those people came and moved here, yeah. uh, which had a huge impact on housing. You know, they struggled Absolutely. to find places for these people to live. Um, but yeah, like I said, this was a happening place in World War II. That's unbelievable. Our guest today on Shortcuts is Mike Tiemann and Donna Bone with the Evansville Wartime Museum. For more information on the museum, visit them online at evansvillewartimemuseum.org. And now, here's the conclusion of our conversation. So the museum is open noon to four, Thursday through Sunday. Sunday. Okay. Mm -hmm. And... I noticed it's kind of a gated gated area. Yes, well, we're part of airport security right absolutely, now. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, we're working to get a uh, our own little fence that would help us become a little more uh, separate from the airport that will allow us to keep that gate open. But until then, okay. uh, you know, we have to have uh, badges. Uh, yeah. Make sure that you know we have a lot of security on site when when it is sure. open. Yeah. Because, uh, you go through that gate and you could be in a runway in a minute. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, we're right there. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty close. So, yeah. So I'm trying to tell people don't be don't be alarmed. You will have to go yes. through a, a you know kind of a security gate to mm -hmm. get in. But that's to me that's the that adds to the coolness of the yes. whole thing is being able to do that. Uh, for the future, as we look ahead for the museum, anything coming up that you guys are working on that we can talk about or? Well, we do have. Like we mentioned, the event three weeks from today on mm -hmm. September 22nd. Um, uh, our next event is October 30th. It's, it's, we call it the Halloween Bash. Okay. It's an opportunity for kids to come through. Nice. Uh, we have skeletons dressed in World War II outfits, and the kids have this little scavenger hunt where they get this list of questions, and they have to find the answers to the questions, but the skeletons are actually pointing to the answers. Oh so it gives them a fun and then we give them treats and we have crafts and nice. face painting and you know just a fun time for the kids to come in here uh, that's on sunday i think halloween is actually on monday um and then you know we start planning again for next year we do have uh, for seniors on the first and third thursday of every month it's free you just have to sign up ahead of time so because we provide lunch along with the speaker. So it's a different speaker every time. And the best way that for people to get more information is on the website. We have, we have a Facebook site. We have a okay. website. Okay. Uh, it's a wartimemuseum.org you know, or okay. our website. And yeah, everything's posted on there. Okay. Or you can call uh, our main line if you have questions, 812-424-7461. Okay. 
Sounds good. And if anybody has any items they think are worthwhile or want to donate, same kind of yeah, deal. Yeah, they just give, come. Give yeah, just call. come in. Uh, uh, if somebody's here, if they see a car in the in the lot, then uh, you know you could probably find somebody here who would accept the item. But to, okay. somebody that they can talk to. Yeah. And we will also uh, open up for group tours. Uh, Students, seniors, uh, you know, groups. We've uh, had receptions here yeah. uh, and that type of thing. Class yeah. reunions. Well, yeah, we rent the facility out for oh, like reunions really cool. and oh, wow. uh, that's really cool too. Yeah. conventions, things like that. And you guys just told me before we kind of started recording, you had 160 people here today. earlier yes. today. So that's yes. really cool. Yeah, very <laughs> cool. Uh, anything else that you guys want to bring about or talk about before hmm. we wrap up? Well, it. Uh, we have memberships available, okay. which uh, uh, varying levels, uh, you get uh, access to the museum during our, our normal hours, and then uh, depending on the level, there's some incentives to upgrade. But, uh, you know, if you have a family, you know, it's a, it's a good deal and something to uh, consider. And, and it's, it's more than just uh, military. You can come in here and we tell the story about Evansville and what Evansville did during World War II. And uh, we have a lot of displays about a lot of the factories that were here and what they produced. Um, so, you know, I think we, we can reach a wide audience, not just those interested in, in guns and, and bullets and things like that. Okay. And we have things like a wedding dress made from a parachute. Oh, wow. That a pilot brought back, brought back for to his, his fiance. Gave it to his fiance. That's awesome. That's great. Uh, the Red Cross Canteen. There were 1.6 million servicemen served at the Red Cross Canteen in Evansville, Indiana, at no charge. Wow. Mm -hmm. Everything was donated. So it's more about the, the community yeah, but, than right. it is about the military. About the war itself, yeah. Okay. yeah. Awesome. And we cover more than World War II. We also have uh, displays from veterans uh, for the Korean War, for Vietnam, World War One. We have a lot on World War One. Yeah, John Bethel Gresham, the first American to perish. World War One was from Evansville, and we have his original tombstone when he was moved from France to Locust Hill Cemetery. Wow. We have his original mm -hmm. tombstone here. We also have um, one of the Doughboy statues that was created right after World War One. In Spencer, so Indiana. Yeah, so it's over a hundred years old. And uh, and always looking for uh, volunteers. Yes. Okay. And, yeah, we uh, can use volunteers. We need help, especially for like big events. Uh, for docents, for people to help in, uh, you know, maintenance, a little bit of everything. Okay. And uh, we, um, well, we have flight simulators uh, for... Price of admission includes yeah. flight simulators. And, uh, you know, since there's so much history, we recommended having a guided tour, which is part of the mm -hmm. normal admission. Mm -hmm. There's no additional charge. Okay. Donna, Mike, thank you so much. Thank you. For what you, you do for this, because this is a, a huge historical part of, you know, like you guys have said several times, Evansville in general, but mm -hmm. the wartime, the history of our country. We say Evansville, but but we, we mean the tri-state. Yeah. Because it took a combined effort of everyone in the tri-state area to, to pull Absolutely. this off. Well, we'll see you guys September 10th at the mall mm -hmm. as a part of our Nonprofit of the Month right. stuff. So for folks listening to us, more information can be had on that day. And uh, 
uh, just invite everybody to come out. This is a fantastic building. I'm going to look around here in a minute when we get done. So. Okay, very good. Thank All you. Right. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. You've been listening to Shortcuts. Our guests today have been Donna Bone and Mike Tiemann with the Evansville Wartime Museum, Isla Mall's nonprofit of the month for September. For more information on the Wartime Museum, visit them online at EvansvilleWartimeMuseum.org. Keep the conversation going 24 hours a day, seven days a week on the Isla Mall social media network at The Isla Mall for Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also listen to past episodes of Shortcuts by clicking on the Isla Mall website at shopislamall.com. And of course, we can't wait to see you the very next time you shop at Isla Mall.